Come along with us as we explore the broad world of preservation and the work being done to preserve, interpret, and save our past in a 21st century world. From aquaculture to historic foodways to forensic modeling, we're talking weekly with experts from across the globe. This is your host, Nick Redding. Welcome to PreserveCast. Join us on this week's PreserveCast as we discuss the rebirth of downtown Frederick, Maryland. We're talking with writer and journalist Kate McDermott about her book, From the Brink to Brilliant, The Revitalization of Downtown Frederick, Maryland, where she paints a picture of downtown Frederick's revitalization and what lessons this story holds for cities like it across America. All that and more on this week's PreserveCast. This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast. Today, we're excited to be chatting with Kate McDermott, and we're going to be talking all about the revitalization of downtown Frederick, um, Maryland. And we're talking about a book that she just recently published called From the Brink to Brilliant, The Revitalization of Downtown Frederick, Maryland, a place near and dear to my heart because I've lived in Frederick County for quite some time now. But I think it's a story not only that matters to Maryland, it's a story that has national implications when it comes to the use of preservation and smart growth and particularly resilience and what a timely topic um, given all the things that are happening with a changing climate. Um, But Kate, before we get into all of that, we love to get to know the people that we're talking with. So um, you know, you're a writer, you're a journalist. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Where'd you grow up and um, what led you down the path towards the career that you have today? Well, first of all, Nick, thank you for inviting me to be a part of the podcast. I'm, I'm excited to chat with you. Um, I am originally from uh, Wisconsin. I am a cheesehead at heart, um, but went to high school outside of New York City. So in the um, northern New Jersey, metro New York area. Then I went to college in Ohio. Uh, My first job out of college was in Detroit. And then I married an Air Force guy and we were stationed in Columbus, Mississippi for three years. And then we moved to the Pacific Northwest for five years. And when he got out of the Air Force um, and we started looking for a place that would bring us closer to our families on the East Coast, um, kind of decided that the the greater D.C. Baltimore region was someplace that we wanted to look at. And um, really what, what caught my eye about Frederick was when we were out in Washington State, um, I was um, freelancing as a business reporter, and I had done a story about the city of Tacoma's efforts to um, incorporate the Main Street model into urban business districts. Actually, Tacoma was one of six pilot sites across the U.S. chosen to to um, work. Uh, they actually worked with LISC, the Local Initiative Support Corporation, and the Main Street Center, and um, you know piloted the the four point approach in um, its urban districts. So by the time we came east, I was very well versed on what uh, historic preservation as an economic development tool can can look like. And when we drove up Market Street, and this was in 1997, um, you know, Carroll Creek, the the flood control measure was there, but the the sides of it were just huge concrete pads. Um, But driving up Market Street, it was like this 
it struck me that this community had something going on. And, and so that's uh, why I wanted to explore it in more detail. And um, we've lived here now for 26 years. Yeah. And boy, what a, I mean, I've lived in Frederick County now for, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, somewhere in that range. Um, and I feel like I've seen changes. You've seen tremendous changes, um, you know, a lot for the better in terms of this community. And I always think it's such a great example of how preservation can be used to sort of turn a community around in a way. Absolutely. Um, so, so you're, you're obviously, you have this journalism bug and you're, and you're good at it and you live in this community that has this really cool story that hasn't, you know, locally, I think people know bits and pieces of it or they know a part of it. Um, where's the where's the thinking I should write this book? When did you kind of get that concept together? Well, actually, it, I can't even take credit for that. We have a long time businessman um, and ardent volunteer, Don Linton. Um, Don's been a business owner in Frederick. He's a native Um and he was an integral part of the very early uh, revitalization efforts starting in the late 60s, early 70s. And he felt very strongly that this was a story that needed to be preserved. And so I've volunteered with our Main Street organization, the Downtown Frederick Partnership, for years and was connected to Don through Kara Norman, our executive director, our amazing executive director at the partnership. And um, we really took off from there. And um, it's a story that, you know, as a journalist, you always say good stories tell themselves. And this was really a story that could tell itself. Yeah, it's got some really great characters, too. It doesn't hurt that you've got like, you know, Ron Young and these different mm -hmm. folks who kind of pop up and you know, you got some groovy pictures of them and all that kind of good stuff. Yes, um, yes, you know, it's yeah. fun fun to kind of look back and see that stuff. And we're talking about the mayor of Frederick, who was was integral um, to some of this. So for people listening around the country, with people listening across the world, um, you know, we kind of dove into it. And you talked about this community that you love and how you kind of came to the idea to write the book. But let's take a step back and let's describe Frederick for people, because probably a lot of people listening have never been to F Frederick, Maryland. Um, but it's probably good to kind of like paint the picture of what this community is. And then maybe we'll go even further back. The next question will be what, what, what was it, um, before when it was on the brink, <laughs> but yes. why don't you give us a sense, you know, you can kind of paint the picture both, you know, a little bit historically, but also just kind of like where it's situated, what kind of a place it is to today. Right. So um, Frederick, Maryland is um, actually the perfect tip of a triangle that is formed between Baltimore to the due east, uh, Washington, D.C., which is southeast. And then we have Frederick up at the northwest corner of this triangle. So essentially about 45 to 50 miles from D.C. and Baltimore. Um so geographically, it is considered, you know, central Maryland, but for all intents and purposes, it's the metro Baltimore, D.C. region. Um, today, Frederick, as we know it, has won. I mean, you lose count of how many awards it has won. It has, you know, in 2005, we were named a Great American Main Street community by the National Main Street Center. We've run 
won awards from the American Planning Association, from livability.com. The New York Times called us a masterpiece in Maryland. Um, CNN has given us, you know, its best places to live award. There are just scores and scores and scores of awards that the community has has won. Um, but that belies the story that got us to this award-winning community because it was it was decades of hard work, vision, and volunteerism that got Frederick to where it is today. And that's really what the book is about, is kind of recounting that story of a community, like communities all across America. Anyone who's familiar with, you know, the Main Street model knows that, you know, by the mid, you know, late, late 50s, mid 1960s, malls and highway, highway bypasses were, were killing downtowns and main streets across America. The places that had once been the hub of social um, and, you know, economic activity were being bypassed and they were starting to really suffer the consequences. And Frederick was, you know, example A of that. And thanks to folks like Don Linton and tireless volunteers, there were real efforts to say, nope, we're not going to, you know, turn out the lights and call it a day. They really fought to preserve their downtowns. And um, the book is meant, as much as it's a story about Frederick, it's meant to be in some ways a primer for communities across America to kind of take some lessons learned from what Frederick did right. Maybe some things that if Frederick had to do it over again, such as tax increment financing, they might do differently. Um, but basically it tells that that arc of from its its lowest point in the late, uh, well, late 1950s, early 60s to when the community really started to fight back. And I think that's so valuable because, you know, it's interesting um, both across the country and then also, you know, working here in Maryland. Um, we'll hear from time to time people be like, oh, I wish we could be like Frederick. And my response always to them is, well, it didn't happen by accident. Um, <laughs> and I think sometimes people look at a place that has been transformed and they're like, wow, you know, they, it was just special there or they got lucky or, um, you know, the stars just aligned. And it took a lot of hard work. And I mean, I think that that's the cool thing about the book is that, like you say, you know, yeah, if you live here locally, it's fun to look through and be like, oh, I didn't realize that that's how that happened or, oh, that's that, how that piece came together. Or I always wondered about this. And that's always kind of cool when you, you're looking at something locally. But I think that there's a lot of value for people around the country who are like, how is a Main Street community with good bones, but not like amazing, profound economic resources, um, able to kind of um, really invest in their place. And, and, and we, we have a, we're, we're blessed by geography, like you said. Um, but you know, I think we could have just as easily gone down the road of tearing everything up and, um, ending up with sort of, uh, a pockmarked piece of a community. And instead we have something that's really powerful. The other thing that I think is cool too, is that, um, that, you know, I, I, I don't think, um, is as, um, uh, you know, like apparent is that, um, you know, that, that 
preservation is a big piece of this too, that like, um, you, you don't get communities like this, um, without, you know, investing and protecting the historic resources. And so I think that that's a big part of it as well. You know, absolutely. And that was, you know, there was so much in this story to tell. Again, a good story basically tells itself. But uh, one of the um, the pieces that I was so excited to highlight was all of Frederick's incredibly creative and beautiful adaptive reuse projects of properties that could have been raised and, you know, destroyed that are now either home to high tech businesses or upscale, you know, loft living, um, community arts centers. I mean, our community, this city is so rich with stories like that. And again, it's the result of hard work by volunteers and it cannot be understated. I mean, enough that Ron Young the mayor who served four terms from um, 1974 to 1990 and was mayor during the period when Frederick encounter, um, suffered the terrible flood of 1976. Ron Young had such a vision for what this community could be. And if I take away anything from the lessons I learned from this book, it's really volunteerism and visionary leadership. Um, they were yeah, and the I think it's like visionary leadership. It's cool in in a way that it wasn't like central planning. They didn't dictate exactly how it was all going to come together. But what they did was they created sort of a canvas. They they took care of, and maybe we can get into this. Is you know talk to us about this flood. I mean they 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 resolved this issue, and instead of well, let's just knock things over and get rid of everything. It was like, how are we going to handle this issue? And there's sort of this beautiful resilience project that has taken place there that really in, in some ways is way ahead of its time. Um, maybe right? talk to exactly. us. Yeah, talk to us about, because, you know, we kind of danced around like, well, how did this this revitalization happen? So you said it hits this low point in the 50s, like a lot of places. There's sprawl and suburbs and you know, um, malls and things like that, strip malls and stuff being built around Frederick, like every other place. Um, we dodged a bullet in that. I always think in that the interstate didn't go through the middle of Frederick. We weren't important enough to tear up the middle of Frederick with, uh, we were lucky, right. Um, yeah. but we didn't end up like Cumberland or, you know, a litany of other communities across the nation that you can imagine with an interstate mm -hmm. through the middle of Frederick. So we mm -hmm. dodged that mm -hmm. bullet. But then in the 70s, we have this catastrophic flood. So kind of paint the picture of that and then the response to that. Because I sort of, in the book, paints the picture here, but that's kind of this turning point moment. Um, right, exactly. So just to set the stage a little bit, by the late 1960s and early 1970s, there were groups in Frederick that were working really hard on getting business owners in particular to work really hard on things like facade improvements or just, you know, as we know, is a, is a, you know, issue in a lot of communities, clean up your, clean up your windows, like get rid of outdated flyers, like just paint your wood trim, you know, just do things like that. Plant some trees, you know, working really hard to just beautify their downtown and they were making progress. But at the same time, Frederick had this little creek that ran through the downtown known as Carroll Creek. 
And if you are able to get a copy of the book, what I love is that Don Linton, again, our benefactor, had scores of archival materials that were just fabulous. I mean, everything from meeting minutes from the 1970s to old Kodachrome slides, one of which is at the top of the book cover. And it shows you what this little polluted creek, as they referred to it, looked like as it ran through downtown Frederick. And this creek had a propensity for flooding. Well, in 1976, it rained in October for, I think I, I should have flagged my page in the book, but I think they got something like 16 inches of rain in a in a 24-hour period or something like that. Carroll Creek overflowed, overflowed its banks and flooded much of downtown. And I mean, talk about a heartbreaking setback, right? I mean, you've had these volunteers working so hard, so much so that in spring of 1976, the flood was in October, Frederick had earned All-American City honors for their work. And then in October, this flood happens and leaves much of downtown underwater. Um, the result of that flood was A, that they knew they had to do something to address the creek's flooding propensities. But the other stating part of it was that uh, no property owners were going to get insurance. They were in a flood zone. They couldn't qualify for historic tax credits. So it was a mess. So it was a multifaceted problem. And Ron Young, who was the mayor at the time, who I should note is also a very creative soul. He paints, he writes. I mean, he's he's truly a kind of a Renaissance man in that regard. But he determined that, A, yes, we were going to have to address the flooding, but we weren't going to do what the Army Corps of Engineers had recommended was basically like, you know, just put one of those huge flood channels in the middle of downtown, much like you see in L.A. or parts of the desert southwest. Um, he was like, no, we can do so much better than that. And so as a result, Carroll Creek, as it's seen today, is actually a three-foot to four-foot depth um, water feature that has underneath it ginormous um, culverts that you can drive Greyhound buses through. Those are the actual flood control measures. Um, so what what the public sees today is is really just a water feature that hides the flood control measure. But that that beautiful creek that we have today um, was the basis of the economic development that Ron Young thought could happen if it was done correctly. Because so at you, that point, you secured the future because if, if you knew you weren't going to constantly be flooding, people will invest. I mean, is that exactly right? But, but the problem with that, however, was that they could not, most people could not invest get financing until FEMA um, removed um, Frederick from its floodplains. And that did floodplain maps. And that didn't happen until the early 2000s. The flood was in 1976. Wow. I know. Yeah. So that's a that's a huge gap. So and that kind yeah. of it's so, so interesting that those policy changes, you know, for people listening and thinking about these things are profound because that aligns perfectly really with the boom. 
exactly. But again, going back to Ron Young's visionary leadership, he knew that ultimately he, this creek was going to be the economic, you know, driver. Um, and as such, he recognized that these properties that lined both sides of the creek on the north and south sides, A, they, they couldn't get insurance. They couldn't qualify for uh, tax credits. And so he started realizing that if he wanted to control what the creek would look like when those flood control maps were finally adjusted, it would behoove the city to start purchasing some of those parcels of land that these property owners were sitting on but couldn't do anything with. So slowly but surely he starts, you know, I say he, the city, the board of aldermen, start purchasing some of these pieces of land on, on the north and south sides of the creek. They uh, start doing some creative swaps. Some property owners were like, just take it. I don't want it. Um, I can't do anything with it. So that by the time those those flood maps were adjusted, you had investors lined up and waiting to get in on the action because, it, you know, again, we're, the flood was 76. I think it was, I'd have to double check the book, but I think it was 2003 maybe before FEMA finally uh, removed downtown Frederick from its floodplain maps. But by that time, you know, there were improvements along Carroll Creek. People could actually see its potential. And boy, once the flood uh, plane maps were adjusted, pardon the pun, the floodgates opened, you know, for development. So why don't I take a, a pause there, come back, we'll talk about sort of where Frederick is headed and maybe some favorite spots you have if people wanted to go and, and enjoy Frederick uh, authentically like a local where you might send them. Um, and we'll do that in a little bit more um, when we come back here on PreserveCast. Historic preservation can't happen without skilled tradespeople to perform the work. And there's a critical need right now for those tradespeople. The Campaign for Historic Trades, powered by Preservation Maryland, is working to meet that need by strengthening apprenticeship opportunities within historic trades. In partnership with the National Park Service's Historic Preservation Training Center and Conservation Legacy, the campaign is currently recruiting for NPS Traditional Trades Apprenticeship Program, or TTAP. TTAP is an intensive 20-week apprenticeship that provides young adults the chance to learn historic trade skills while working on America's most iconic historic sites. Multiple positions are open for the 2022 season at national parks across the country. Visit historictrades.org for more information on TTAP and how to apply today. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. We're excited to be joined by Kate McDermott. We're talking all about the revitalization of downtown Frederick and her new book, From the Brink to Brilliant, The Revitalization of Downtown Frederick. And we've been talking about how not only is this a great Maryland story, but it's a story for anyone around the country, around the world, that for that matter, who is interested in revitalizing a place and how you have to put the pieces in place that um, sort of open up the potential for the private sector to invest. And in this case, it was, you know, addressing flooding. And, and boy, what an issue that's front and center on you know, probably the, the front page of, of every paper right now. We've got hurricanes slamming the U.S. and on every different coast. And we've got water uh, issues, whether not enough or too much. I mean, 
Uh, what happened in Frederick is, you know, 30, 40 years ago is now happening everywhere all the time. And so there's, there's a lot of lessons, um, to, to be had here. So you paint the picture, obviously that Frederick had this sort of Renaissance, um, and, you know, fueled by some really good decisions and good plans and, and then unleashing the private sector. Where is Frederick today? And, and, and what's the potential for the continued growth? Are there, are there other areas? And, and how does Frederick not only sustain that growth, but sustain the character that makes it so special? Yeah, so it's, you know, first of all, I, I want um, your listeners to understand, um, we refer to uh, the city of Frederick has within it downtown Frederick, right? So the book focuses on this historic area known as downtown Frederick. The city of Frederick is a much larger geographic area and um, has much larger population. So when I speak about what I know, I'm talking about downtown Frederick, this historic core. And so, you know, um, in some ways we are a victim of our own success, right? Um, Housing um, is getting very expensive in downtown Frederick. You know, uh, townhomes that, you know, would have sold for, oh, you know, maybe $100,000, even as much as 15 years ago, are now seven times that amount, right? Um, second and third floor apartments. Young people are discovering this is a really hip and historic, as our ad campaign uh, says, place to live, right? So we are definitely dealing with um, affordability issues, um, not not unique, certainly, for most cities across the country. Um, and, and, you know, I think one of the other challenges we're facing is um, how do we um, deal with some... Um, long-term vacant proper properties. Um, unfortunately, some of which sit right in our, the heart of our downtown. And, you know, it's a, it's a touchy subject, Nick, let's be honest, right? Um, property owners in this country are, you know, afforded rights. Um, but for the 26 years that we've lived here, there have, there have been some long-term vacancies that continue to, um, present a challenge to our community. And so that's something that I think we all have to kind of um, continue to struggle and work toward. Uh, yeah, finding and I know Frederick has, yeah, Frederick's made some efforts in trying to have different ways of sort of not penalizing, but making it a little bit more expensive to keep your property vacant. Um, you know, and I, I'm, I'm sort of a fan of exploring at the state level, this concept that vacant structures after a certain period of time are taxed at a different level, mm -hmm. um, because they're, 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 they cost the community more. And mm -hmm. so I think that, you know, and that's something that the state has toyed with. It's a big issue for legacy cities like Baltimore certainly can be an issue in, in pockets for places like Frederick. Um, but there's there's a lot of there's a lot of um, consternation around that issue. But it also, when you have a housing crisis and buildings are being allowed to sit vacant for speculation or just for a lack of desire, um, I think there there's sometimes we need to. This is editorializing here, but mm -hmm. I think sometimes we need to find policy solutions to kind of make the market work a little bit, um, you know, faster because it's just right, right. It, it's a challenge, right? And mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. there's there is a societal cost associated with that. 
Um, right, right. Well, and, and to that point, I will also say, and I'll do a little editorializing here as well, if I'm so allowed. Um, one of the, the biggest missing pieces we have in this amazing downtown is a place for people to stay overnight. Um, you know, so here we have, we've become a a tourist destination regionally, day trippers from DC who might, you know, hit up any one of our numerous great restaurants, bars, distilleries, breweries, and hey, decide, hey, let's let's just stay overnight, you know? There's no place right now for them. Yeah, you gotta We're go making out to the progress. Um, a, another one of our amazing adaptive reuse projects is the Visitation Academy, mm-hmm. which was an all-girls boarding school um, that is now being converted into a boutique hotel. It will be amazing. Um, but we continue to fight for the development of a full-service hotel and conference center in downtown Frederick. This is something that would would blend into the historic architecture of our city. It would be on the creek. Um, it has the backing of a major hotel um, hotelier. Um, and yet, because the, the developer is simply asking for public money to fund the infrastructure improvements necessary to bring something like this to the city. People are up in arms about public dollars being spent on a private project. To which I say, look at the creek (laughs) and the redevelopment of Carroll Creek and what that has meant as an economic engine for downtown Frederick. I mean, sometimes you have to spend money to make money, but oh my God. I mean, it just, you know, Nick, for me, it just seems so short-sighted. Um, you have businesses saying, please, can we get that hotel down here? You know, you know what that would mean for our business? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's they gonna have be, to put it It's going to be great. Off. Yeah, it's going to be great when visitation gets in there, but um, and the redevelopment of that as a boutique. But yeah, I mean, we need more and, you know, the potential to have conferences. I mean, we were talking before we hit record that I'd love to bring a, a large preservation, national preservation group yeah. um, and partners into Frederick. And, and one of the the challenges has been, well, where do we stay? Like, we don't want to pop them out at the, you know, the inner, the intersection of right. you know, an interstate. It's just not really the, the feel you want to have. And there's some great B and B's and things like that, mm-hmm. but there's, mm-hmm. they're not at scale. So yeah, that is sort of the next big thing, which speaking of which, if people are coming and I kind of um, mentioned this before we took the break, if people are coming to Frederick and, you know, want to experience it like a local want to, uh, enjoy something, an authentic experience. Um, where do you send them downtown? What are some of your, I mean, I know it's like, uh, picking your favorite child to, to tell them a specific (laughs) restaurant. I'm not asking for restaurant recommendations, but like, what's the, what's the play? Where do they go? Where do they walk? Where do you send them to kind of take it all in and then make their choice on where to go eat? Well, I would say start, uh, on the Creek, um, walk along the creek, take in the water features, take in the um, public art. Um, People watch. It's a great people watching place. Right now we have our, what we call Color on the Creek, which is another great volunteer driven project um, where the creek has been filled with water lilies and water plants. Beautiful, beautiful um, color. And 
around um, the holidays, they will put in what's the the installation known as uh, sailing through the winter solstice, which are uh, boats that they anchor in the creek that are all lit up and decorated. Um, so walk the creek, walk the full length, which is now um, complete. You know, the creek was um, completed in stages, um, but it's a it's about a um, mile or more walk from one end to the other. But again, you're going to see uh, public art. You're going to see water features. You're going to see beautiful pedestrian bridges. You're going to see flora. Absolutely amazing. And then head up Market and Patrick Streets to take in our gorgeous historic architecture. Look up, check out the facades of some of these amazing buildings. And think about the fact that had it not been for these tireless volunteers and visionary leaders, they could have been lost. And believe me, there are some buildings that aren't in downtown Frederick that were lost. But truly, take the time to look at these beautiful facades, these storefronts, and just soak in what is truly an authentic American downtown. Yeah, it is, uh, you know, having been here for quite some time and looking up, I still see things new. Um, and I'm like, right? look at that. Exactly. I've never, never noticed that before. Or exactly. a little ghost yep. sign or a, you know, some type of plaque at the top of a building that mm-hmm. tells you the year it was built. It, it you mm-hmm. know, and I think as we keep kind of hitting on this, because we have people listening all across the country, is that this is sort of a, this is a snapshot of how one community used preservation, resilience tools, and, and other tools at their disposal to save a downtown. And I think that there's mm-hmm. a lot of lessons here. I think more communities need to document their recent history this way um, because it's it's you know it's easy to say oh we need to know what happened in Frederick during the Civil War and we do um, but I think for a lot of people who are like oh that's so recent you know that was like the seventies and eighties like everybody knows that story mm-hmm. but before you know it people don't um, uh-huh. and mm-hmm. I think that we need to see more um, books like this uh, about projects and communities and where we got it right uh, across the country. We certainly have a lot of books about where we got it wrong. Um, and it's right. nice, every, nice yeah. every once in a while to read about where we got it right. Speaking of reading things, what are you working on now? Where, where, where can we uh, expect to see you uh, published in the future? Or where if people are interested in reading more of what you write, where can they find that? Well, I am uh, a freelancer. So I write uh, for different publications for different commercial clients. Um, but I will say this afternoon, um, I'm having a conversation with um, the Main Street um, Center, now known as Main Street America. Um, and what I'd really like to do is a compilation of the first 100 Great American Main Street cities um, and make it, again, kind of like a primer. What we got right what we what we would like a do over on, you know, um, and and help cities that are struggling um, just get inspiration and um, the resolve to keep at it. You know, Frederick is 50 years from the flood. Right. I mean, this where we are today, when people see the cover of the book where you see the creek, what it looked like in 1974 and what it looks like today. That did not happen overnight, right? It takes time. It takes resolve. Um, but I sure would like to help other communities um, get to that that point. Well, we will um, 
definitely have you back once that book's out or as you're working on it. Cause I think that that yeah. there's a, a heck of a lot of great lessons to be told there. And boy, there's a lot more communities that need help. We've, you know, the first great hundred, but we need another thousand probably across the country. Um, and there's probably people listening who live in some of them and would love to yes. read that as well. So, yeah. um, yeah. Would love to have you back to talk about that. Um, before we go, we ask everyone the favorite historic place or site. Sometimes we make it easier and say the most recent one that you visited. Um, but what's something that speaks to you right now, Kate? Well, I have to tell you, I was just in Chicago uh, over the weekend, and I tend to be a little bit of an architecture geek. Um, I took a history of architecture college or class in college just to fulfill a fine arts requirement. I loved it so much. I, I took the second one just for myself. And I have found that historic architecture moves me the way maybe a great painting can move, you know, someone else. And um, Chicago is such a great place to take in beautiful architecture. Um, I've done the Chicago River Tour, architecture tours, but I went to the Art Institute of Chicago this over the weekend, and they have preserved some of the great pieces of buildings in Chicago that sadly have been torn down, but they saved things like corbels. They saved things like columns. They saved a Frank Lloyd Wright window. They saved um, the iron elevator gate uh, from the Burnham one of the Burnham buildings in Chicago. Um, I I just love um, places that showcase how they have saved architecture. We got to go to Petra in Jordan last year. That that remains probably one of the highlights of my my life to be able to see that. But any place that uh, can preserve and show great architecture moves me. Well, that's a great way to end this, and particularly on a book that highlights and showcases some great architecture itself. Um, it's been so much fun having you again. The book, and we have a link in the show notes so people can uh, purchase it, is From the Brink to Brilliant, The Revitalization of Downtown Frederick, Maryland. Lots of um, important lessons in there for people all across the country to read. Thanks so much for joining us today, Kate. Oh, thank you, Nick, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's story, head over to preservecast.org for show notes and our collection of previous episodes. Don't forget to engage with this podcast by subscribing, commenting, and leaving a review. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PreserveCast for even more. PreserveCast is currently recorded in Walkersville, Maryland, and sponsored by the 1772 Foundation and powered by Preservation Maryland. Thanks for listening and keep on preserving.